Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live, a show about flying higher and endeavors that make a difference. Step into possibility with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. This season features the Ruckus Makers Roundtables, say that four times fast, conversations about questions that matter with friends and fellow travelers from Forward Links, Link, and the alumni community for Seth Godin's Alt-MBA and Akimba Workshops. I'm your host, Scott Perry, Chief Difference Maker at Creative on Purpose and author of Endeavor. I'm also an Alt-MBA 6 alum and on the head coach team for Akimba Workshops. You can learn more about me and my work at creativeonpurpose.com. Today, I am joined by Colin Steele to discuss what is work that matters. Colin, before we dive into our discussion, please introduce yourself to our viewers. Who are you? Which programs have you been a student in? What are you up to these days? And where can people go to learn more? Scott, thank you. It's great to be here with you. Uh, again, my name is Colin, and my friends joke that I'm trying to become full stack akimbo. I started in Bootstrappers Workshop 1 in the fall of 2018. Scott was one of the coaches then, so the Scott and Colin show goes back a, a fairly <laughs> long way in, in akimbo years. Uh, following that, I joined the niche and so far only Business of Food Workshop in the spring of 2019. And then hopped into the Bootstrappers Workshop 2 as a coach, the Marketing Seminar 7 also as a coach, Alt-MBA 32 as a student. And I'm now working with you once again in the Creatives Workshop in its very first iteration this spring. So uh, just a quick note, Colin. Uh, Kirsten, I'm sorry, Kirsten, Rebecca is emailing me and letting me know that she is available to come. I'm going to ask you to reiterate the question that we're going to discuss and um, tell some bad jokes. I'm going to be right back. Fabulous. So we're here to talk about what is work that matters. And as long as we're live, I'm just going to riff on that for a moment. Um, first, I'm going to finish answering your question and say that I am currently, in addition to being a coach in the Akimbo workshops, a freelance editor, a, a freelance executive coach, and also a job seeker. And I'm happy to talk about that some more too. But my background is in public affairs and, and international relations and governance. And so when I think about the work that matters, to me, it, it stems from that, um, from that interest in the public good. And that's something that I'm trying to return to now, quite frankly, but with the added habits of mind and, and postures and things that I've learned through the Akimbo universe. And a lot of that is about getting really specific about who's it for, what's it for, and how are we actually going to get this out into the world. Uh, I'm all about sitting in committee meetings. I am one of those people that doesn't mind that as much as some other people do. Um, but sooner or later, it seems to me that the purpose of sitting in committee meetings is ultimately to make change in the real world too. And I think sometimes that's forgotten, uh, no matter which committees those might be uh, or who's convening the meeting. So I think the work that matters is the work that we discern is, is important and especially the work that we actually put into the world. Yeah, really interesting. So, and there she is. So Rebecca, we are, we are live. We have just launched. Welcome. We are glad that you could join us after all. Colin and I were having a discussion that maybe I had misread our communication. So Rebecca and I are meeting each other for the first time in real time here on Facebook Live. We just introduced ourselves, Rebecca. We would love for you to introduce yourself before we dive into the question. 
of what is work that matters. Who are you? Uh, what programs, Akimbo programs are you a graduate of? What do you do in the world and where can people connect with you to learn more? Good question. Uh, I'm Rebecca Kirstein and uh, I was in Alt MBA. Of what, what was it, Colin? You know better than I do. What number were we? 32. <laughs> 32. Thank you. I always forget the number. Um, yeah, Alt MBA 32. And um, I, I am the founder of Rethink Thinking, um, which is really focused on uh, events for youth, uh, connecting them to what matters to them, to work that matters. Um, and, uh, and ultimately, from there, I went down a very long path that took me to where I am today as the founder of Inkly, which is a uh, software platform um, for youth uh, to connect with the real world out there and, uh, and figure out what they want to do next. Fantastic. So let's dive into the question at hand. Uh, go ahead, reiterate your, your position there, Colin, and then we'll let Rebecca weigh in. As to what is work that matters? What is work that matters? How, how are we defining the question that we are answering? Rebecca, it's great to see you. Rebecca has been my, um, she's been my Akimbo and Forward Link buddy ever since we went through Alt MBA 32 together. And that uh, I think is about two weeks out from our six month anniversary, which is incredible. Oh, is she it? and I have been connected for a while. Um, <laughs> as, as to what is work that matters, I often think in other people's words and the words that have been coming up for me a lot as we've prepared for this conversation are Howard Thurman's. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it because what the world most needs is people who have come alive. And so again, I'm always gonna be publicly minded in my answer to this, but I'm also personally minded in the sense that I think each of us has something inside of us that is work that matters. And I think a lot of our task is to discern what that might be and how to serve that. I have a friend who's a career officer who says that vocations are discovered where our great gifts meet the world's great need. And that's something that I've worked with a, a number of Akimbo students with, even in the past couple of weeks, where people have said, I'm not quite sure what my gift is. I'm not quite sure what the need is. And frankly, I think the answer might change over time. So that might be part of the good news here is that there's no shortage of work that matters. It's just deciding what you're going to take on next. Fantastic. How about you, Rebecca? Good answer, Colin. How do I follow that? Well, he's had two, he's had, he, he had two tries at it while you, we were Yeah, right? That's, that's good. I'm, I'm just going to have one shot at it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I've always subscribed to the, uh, the idea to, you know, create what you wish existed. Um, and so for me, that has been, you know, the very beginning of of everything really is like, you know, growing up what didn't exist for me and creating that for, for my kid and ultimately, you know, creating a world, um, a container, if you will, um, around her that allowed her to become who she's meant to become. And that is so ultimately a unique journey for all of us. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of my work centers around the question, what is school for? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, to me, work that matters is, you know, that that those deep internal drivers that we all have to make a difference. Um, and what is that for you? You know, really discovering what that is and, and where your strengths align. Um, you know, Japanese call it ikigai, you know, your reason for getting out of bed in the morning. And, um, you know, to me, that's what school should be for, is figuring out what is that for you? What is that reason to get out of bed in the morning? And how do you collectively 
you know, work with others to make a difference and, um, you know, make the world around you a little bit better. And sometimes that's in small ways and sometimes that's in huge ways. Um, and, and ultimately that really doesn't matter. The work that matters is the work that drives you to get out of bed in the morning and, you know, contribute with others. And, you know, that can be paid work that can be unpaid work. It doesn't really matter what that looks like for you. Um, other than it's your, your path and what drives you and gets you excited to jump out of bed and do that work every day. Love it. I'm going to work backwards from some notes I took from both of your responses. And the first is, I love what you were saying, Rebecca, about work that matters is work that makes things better. And I think at the heart of that idea is the idea that work that matters is making some making change happen. It's making a difference, which means that it's work done, uh, work that confronts or seeks the edges of the status quo. And I've, it's not the first time I've said that this on this broadcast. I, I really assert that human beings are creatures that crave the status quo. We love to know where we stand and what's expected. Um, and we frequently will fight tooth and nail to maintain our status quo, even when better is very apparent right in front of us. Um, and so, you know, maybe the, the first work that matters is overcoming our evolutionary drive to remain just where we are safe and, and hidden. Uh, and that touches on something that um, Colin said, which is, you know, the first work that matters is finding work that matters, finding the work for you that matters that you are, you know, put on this planet for perhaps, um, whether you just decide that it's the work that you're meant to do or not by divine providence or destiny in general. Um, but I, I think it's part of it too comes down to just answering the basic question that we've been answering ever since we've been walking upright. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be happy? How can I be more of both? And how can I do that with and for the people that I care about? Yeah, I love I love that you said um, that was a bit about um, evolutionary purpose. Uh, I'm a big fan of John Abbott's work, which goes way way back to you know the the early days of um, sort of deciphering, you know, what is school for and, and all of these questions. Um, and that's really, you know, what, what, what our science tells us is that that's whatever, that's actually what adolescence is for. It is to challenge the status quo. So when we look around and, you know, we, we shame teenagers for not doing what they're told and sitting still, um, it is actually their evolutionary purpose at that stage of life to challenge that and to say, no, we need to set sail for new shores. We need to do things differently. You got, you guys stay back here and freeze to death because uh, we got to, we got to see if there's a better world out there. And uh, you know, that is um, very much a, um, a driver for me in, in the work that I do. I, I remember that feeling as an adolescent. I watch young people around me struggle with that. And I think we culturally really need to start um, changing that narrative and, and talking with young people about that burning inside you to just do things differently and throw up all the cards that your, that your parents and ancestors laid out for you is actually like really real and really important and it's okay. And let's use that constructively instead of fighting against that. Uh, so I love that you brought that up because I think that is, you know, adolescence is really where that fire starts to burn for us. And it is, it's evolutionary. It's actually entirely intentional. Like if we, we would not be where we are as a species if that didn't exist. So let's do positive things with that. Mm, love it. What about 
Um, maybe the next direction we can kind of move in is, you know, since we've, so maybe the first job is to decide that we are the kind of person that does work that matters and to seek those edges and to try to define for ourselves, you know, what that work might look and feel like. And um, I, th I think it was you, uh, Rebecca, that brought up the, I can't say it, but the Ikigai. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Um, I, I, uh, <laughs> But uh, Colin, you know, how do, what are your thoughts on how does one, once they've decided that they want to dedicate themselves to work that matters, go out in search of defining what that work is and develop the skills and talent to engage in that work? So I think in some ways I used to believe or at least act as if the way we did that was to wait around until our great work came knocking at the door and the red carpet rolled out and away we'd go. And Rebecca and I have had many other conversations about whether or not that's something we're schooled into in addition to the evolutionary uh, fear of tall poppy syndrome. Mm -hmm. But we'll sidebar that for a moment. And I think that instead, and this is largely something that I've learned through Akimbo, I think the way toward work that matters is smallest viable step by smallest viable step. Because it's, it is simply the best, perhaps only method that I've found that reliably gets you around the fear and that moves you ever more in the direction of what needs to be done. And so, again, rather than waiting for perfect, uh, which probably means that the important work is done, why not instead approach each day or each decision or each action as an opportunity to ask, how could this be made better? And I think if you did nothing other than that throughout your day, no matter what your work is, it could be the most institutional fit in kind of work there is. If you did nothing other than ask at any given moment, how could we make this better? Embrace your inner teenager, perhaps, that there would be a lot more better work being done in this world. Hmm. What do you mean inner teenager? Just go outer, just go outer all the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Rebecca was talking about being shamed for not doing what you're told, I was like, uh, I guess I'm still a teenager. <laughs> I think everyone on this uh, on this call is, is in that category. Well, Rebecca, you you mentioned Ikigai. Um, do you want to like just kind of quickly sketch out that process, or is there another process or um, approach that you you've used, you know, to define the the work that matters that you've carved out for yourself? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean, the the idea of, and I think it's actually, I, I, I don't, I always say it wrong, but it's, you know, it, I think it's Aikigai, but I, I don't know, I could, I could invent it. Um, but it really is uh, the, the process of, of what, what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and ultimately what you can be paid for. And um, you know, it's like the, the Venn diagram of where that all fits together and, and Ikigai land somewhere in, in the middle of that. And, um, you know, culturally, there are a whole lot of different ways of, of looking at this. There are many different cultures that have different terms to describe this. Um, I think, you know, we, we in um, Alta BA, you know, we use the term Sonder and, you know, these different kinds of, of terms. Um, yeah, there's there's so many different ways to look at this. And and ultimately, I really think it is about, you know, I, I remember in the age that I grew up, it was it was this thing, you know, do, do what you love and the money will follow. And it was like, that whole idea was, 
was kind of the the new agey thing and uh you know it's now this kind of laughable like memeable thing that we talk about because it isn't it isn't true uh <laughs> it isn't true that if you do what you love the money will follow um and we we've all seen a lot of examples of that um but that but looking at what the world needs i think is you know we are all intrinsically motivated to to make to make change and to uh, make a difference for those around us. And and like I said earlier, that can be really, really small. That can be, you know, picking up your neighbor's trash cans because they've blown across the street. Or, you know, it can be trying to change the world through the, the business you create or the not-for-profit or the work that you do. Um, and all of those things matter, um, but they are, they are our internal drivers and listening to those things. And I think in the world that we live in today, um, you know, we are so inundated with information and ideas and, and people and concepts and, you know, and content and, and uh, you know, it really is about taking space. I think, you know, that's, that's always my message to, to young people is like, if you don't know what that is for you, if you don't know why you get out of bed in the morning, that's okay. There's lots of people plenty older than you that don't really know what that is yet and can't wrap their their fingers around that you know I was like I always use the, the analogy like we're all stumbling around in the dark bumping into things all day long um, and that's okay and that may never change and that's not the point um, but I think taking some time to be still enough to even think about or allow those feelings of like what could that even be for me to sort of move through you um, is one of those sort of missing pieces of our of our culture, I think, that we've just lost the ability to just be still with what is um, in order to even get to a place where we can allow something to kind of come to us as like, oh, maybe it's that for me or, maybe, you know, whatever comes to your consciousness, like in a state of meditation or whatever that is for you. I have no specific ideas about what that should be, um, but I just don't think we're still enough a lot of the time I think that's the problem it is like we're seeking 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 um and it's not out there you know um so I think you know doing some more um work culturally around what it means to just be still with yourself and um you know it's not about thinking <laughs> and you can think yourself to death um you know Colin and I have that Colin and I are both overthinkers so <laughs> we have that in common where it's like shut up <laughs> so yes there's there's I don't I don't know that was that was completely not succinct but I think I think it is really no, you, great space for being still yeah you you you, you yeah. revealed a number of threads worth pulling on so I'm gonna try to tie something that Colin said earlier with something um that you're talking about which is well so Colin talked about small small vital steps which is something that we've started discussing in um in the bootstrappers workshop, uh, my understanding, my conception of that came from uh, the provost of a couple of workshops, Marie Schott, who mentioned it in one of these very broadcasts, this idea of the next smallest step toward the possibility that you're seeking to achieve. Um, and which also the, the other end of that is what's your aim? What are you pointing at? What are, what's the goal that you are chasing? And is that goal, um, work that matters is that goal worthy of your time, talent, and effort. But what, what you've brought into the equation, Rebecca, is this idea that, um, first of all, we can't learn and discuss our way to the change that's brought about by work that matters. We have to do the work, and we often get better at the work, and we develop the skills by 
the act of doing it poorly until we can do it well. And most of the time, I think that when we're talking about work that matters, we're talking about leveraging the skills that we all possess, human skills, real skills, the skills of empathy and emotional intelligence and emotional labor, Sonder, Sawabana, whatever, you know, we can go through the, the, the lexicon <laughs> that Seth has provided us with. But this idea that it, to me, it all begins when you're a child. The first human work that you do is how do I communicate with this other being? And you're watching these big people exchange words with each other. And you realize that this is how you connect and communicate with other people. And so you go through the process of become, the first work that matters is can I become a person that talks? And you talk really, really badly for a very, very long time until you start to talk less badly. And eventually you start to talk well. And it is that process, which looks a lot like thrashing, I think. Um, but is this really, is this beautiful dance um, that is enhanced when we approach it with a sense of wonder, awe, and playfulness uh, and not taking ourselves too damn seriously and not spending too much time in our heads. What are your thoughts, Colin? Sorry, just returning from my head there. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah, where I spend most of my time. I, I, Scott, I certainly agree. And I, I think this is a, a tension that I've found the more I've contemplated what is work that matters and how, how do I do it? How do I do more of it is I do think it demands interiority, which is a brave act and interiority as Rebecca is saying demands stillness, which is pretty radically countercultural these days. Um, so I'm all for that at the same time as a high self monitoring overthinker over processor, it's easy for me to get lost in interiority when it just looks like talking in my head mm -hmm. and there, I think there does have to be some kind of, um, Lonergan talks about this as, as a dialectical cycle of experience, understand, judge, act, right? So, and, and then as you act, you'll have another experience and then you'll, you'll come to understand that, judge it and, and change your, your aim, your direction, your step as you go along. So it's, again, it's inside, outside. In college, we called this living with one foot raised. Um, and over time, I came to understand that sooner or later, you have to put that foot down and pick up the other one, because otherwise, you're just sort of balancing awkwardly on one foot. So it's, again, inside, outside, um, work versus contemplation, I, I think that's the only way forward. And, and as you're saying, trying stuff out, which for some people, I certainly fall into this camp, comes with a fear of messing up in the arena. And if, if you're too hooked on perfect, it turns out, I think that it's very, very hard to end up doing too much work that matters because again, as to, to steal a concept from Seth, most work that matters is going to fall into the category of this might not work. And so perhaps the, the meta work that matters is to see those opportunities and to pursue them knowing that not every single one is going to break your way. Yeah. yeah that kind of speaks to that small step principle that you were talking about that Marie advocates. It's, I mean, if, if you're swinging for the fences, more power to you, especially if you connect and, and you make it all the way around the, the bases. Um, but that is a, a rare and wondrous act and not, not the norm. Why not chase the base hits and the walks and the bunts and everything that keeps you moving forward and keeps you in the game. Right. It's, it's the Billy Bean money ball approach to making things better, which, 
sounds sort of ridiculous until you realize that it's not. It's certainly unsexy. It's not what um, the media hype cycle would have you focus on. But mm -hmm. the truth is that raising base rates goes a long, long, long way toward making things better in the world. So if, if you get most of the world's population from $1 a day to $2 a day, that's an enormous amount of alleviated misery. It's not sexy. It's not digging wells. It's very hard to take a photo op of all that. But if we do things like that, it makes an enormous difference. And ditto if, if you and your big organization can make slightly better decisions, right? Slight, be slightly more gentle in your personal interactions. Do the right thing. As Rebecca said, pick up the trash can that's blown over in the, in the street. Suddenly the base rate for community goes way up and everybody, whether or not they realize it, finds themselves living in a perhaps healthier way than they used to when everything was chaos. I'm listening to the audiobook version of um, Stephen Singer's book, um, which I am going to forget the, the, the name of, but he, he's talking about how things really are a lot better now than they ever have been in human history. And one of the things that thought experiments he, he suggests is, what if the news only came out every 50 years? And, you know, imagine, you know, what it would, uh, you know, in terms of longevity, in terms of actual um, wealth distribution, um, in terms of actual health of the human population and even the planet, um, it would we would have a very different concept. You brought up something that I was actually just the direction I, would, I was hoping we could go next, which is this idea that you know work that matters is work that doesn't have necessarily a perfect outcome, um, and it's work that requires that we make decisions and do things in the face of the fact that there are, are no right answers and that this might not work. And I would love to just talk a little bit, of, I mean, you can address that idea of just um, decisions versus outcomes or, or perfect versus imperfect, um, but also just any strategies or tips that you have for how somebody can lean into this somewhat, you know, a process that many of us find anxiety inducing of doing something without, uh, without a guaranteed outcome. So Rebecca, let's start with you. Oh, that's a juicy question. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot there for me. I mean, Colin brought that up earlier. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you are the work and um, that's a, that's a, that's a statement from a, from certainly it's not my own. It's a, a, a well, well-loved leader where, where I come from, uh, Ian Chisholm who coined that one. And it was, yeah, it, it really stuck with me. And um, I think since I've understood that, it's gotten a lot easier to take that space for myself to do that work. Um, and I think what's important about that is that as I've seen myself doing my work, you know, in my job or what I traditionally think is my work, um, which to me is incredibly meaningful and very challenging and I'm always wrong. And it's, it's, it's very, it's a very vulnerable space because um, yeah, it goes against the status quo and it isn't what everyone wants to hear and I don't have all the answers and it's, you know, highly collaborative and very experimental and, you know, that's scary because you're going to be wrong a lot more than you're going to be right and and I'm, I'm okay with that but I had to come to terms with that 
um, and come to terms with the fact that I am very publicly, you know, saying that. So whether that's investors or, um, you know, everyone who, you know, is collaborating with us, research partners, all these kinds of people is, yeah, we have, we have a really solid company with a really solid strategy and a solid business plan, but our, our, we're in the business of making people better and giving them space to make themselves better. And that's going to be messy and it's, we're not going to get it right. And it's going to be constantly iterative. And so everyone who gets on board for that really has to be okay with the, you know, infinite game, if you will, of this is not about the, flick the switch five-year exit you're going to make this much money boom 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 and yes we can build a robust business model and yes we've done all the work to do that um and people will make money um but at the end of the day the point is to make a difference and if you don't care about both of those things I really don't want to hear your opinion. <laughs> so that is, um, I think it was uh, um, Brene Brown um, who coined the phrase, yeah, if you're not in the, the arena, I'm not interested in, in your opinion about being in the arena. And so um, I, I deal with that a lot where I get a lot of feedback and a lot of ideas and a lot of you should and you, you know, you could and da, 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 da. Um, and so that's something I have to, you know, be in parallel doing my work and knowing who I am and really being clear about what matters to me um, and what matters to this company and what matters to my team and the people I work with and the people I serve. And, you know, that's a really difficult place to be and it's messy and it's uncomfortable and it's vulnerable. And um, I don't have all the answers. Nobody does. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you, you get slapped around a bit in that space and it's really uncomfortable. And so, you know, I, one of the things I say to my daughter is like, you know, life is a whole lot better when you just get comfortable with being uncomfortable mm. because you're not, you know, everything worth doing is actually really quite uncomfortable, you know, whether it's the, the conversation or the workout at the gym or the, you know, thing you've never done before that you're trying, like you look at anything that has given you value in your life um and it was probably uncomfortable so um you know that's um something I really remind remind myself of on a day-to-day -day basis is like this is really uncomfortable okay that's good right that's good right <laughs> yeah. well discomfort can be a compass for sure um and I love that Brene Brown is stealing from Theodore Roosevelt but we yeah. won't go there okay. well, yeah. <laughs> She totally stole that from, from Theodore Roosevelt and uh, and she admits it wholeheartedly. So oh, very I good, very good. Her. Okay, yeah. well then we'll we'll let we'll let her off the hook, but we're gonna put Colin she, on she the quotes, hook. Yeah, she quotes him. So <laughs> go ahead, Colin. Decisions versus outcomes, perfection versus best effort. Uh, as always, Scott, you've got me right in the pain point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this goes all the way back to some of our earliest interactions. I it, I think there's another, I believe, right? Not just I think, but I believe there's another paradox at the heart of this, which is probably so. Uh, but the one that I'm focusing on is the tension between what we do as individuals, as Rebecca is saying, knowing our own work and doing it to the best of our ability. Again, process is greater than outcome, but I think it takes some time to, to really understand and, and act that way. Uh, I'm not all the way there yet by a long shot. <laughs> and also, life is a team sport. And I think doing great work, doing work that matters also involves understanding that we're all on the team and that's part of the long game. And 
that work that matters isn't reserved for people who are executives or who move a lot of money around or who do various philanthropic things. And it's certainly not the province of, of people who um, want to save the world because that's an ego project <laughs> and certainly not if they want to save the world and, and put their name over the door um, and endow that saved world either. So, so there has to be some conversation and I'm not sure there is enough conversation, frankly, at this point about what this means and what this looks like for people who can't hop on zoom at the drop of a hat and talk about it. Um, at the same time, when I think about this, because I am lucky enough to be able to hop on Zoom with you all in the middle of the day, um, is what comes up for me is a line from Talmud, which apparently was a, a favorite of Rabbi Heschel's, which is that the day is short and the work is great. And we're not commanded to finish the work, but neither are we allowed to desist from it. Mm. And I think if I can stay, or I find that when I can stay in that paradox, I'm able to do the work because then I... I'm much more realistic about the outcomes. And if, if you think about this logically, it makes sense. Again, nobody gets to save the world. And so if that's the direction you're moving in, talk about a goalpost that's always receding out of reach. So you've got to be clear about what good enough means. And I think that also tones down some of the day-to-day the -day overwhelm of not knowing when enough is enough because you've got to be able to rest in place if you're going to do this kind of work. You have to be able to cycle in and cycle out, step up, step back. Otherwise, it's too exhausting. Um, and again, it becomes too big of an ego project. So that's, it's not easy for me to let go of all that stuff, because of course, I want to be noticed, and I want to be smart, and I want to be successful, and I want, I want to be perfect, and blah, blah, blah. But it's only when I'm able to say, we're all in this together. My job is to see what I can do and do that as best I can. And together, we're going to push this thing in a better direction. That's the work that matters. I'd love that Colin just very succinctly uh, gave a, a, a clear definition of what stoicism really is all about. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> but I love what you were, you know. Call sign Marcus. Scott. Yeah. I, I, uh, that idea, one of the things that I will often say to people, you know, that are friends from Akimbo and Alt MBA is we are actually all trying to solve the world or save the world. But since we are incapable of saving the whole world, we are doing the best we can with and for the people that are immediately around us and with the situation and circumstances we find ourselves in, in this moment. And collectively, we are actually making a huge change in, in the culture and a, and a difference in the world and, and making, um, making things better. And you and Rebecca have already kind of said this in a different way, but I, I just want to reiterate it because I think it's really important when we're talking about decisions versus outcomes, you know, outcomes are different than aims. We're aiming at something with the knowledge that we may not hit that exact bullseye, but if we are aiming with intention and integrity and, and putting forth our best effort, we will probably still end up somewhere great. And then to the, that point about the, the real point is your best effort. And so just so I can mangle another foreign phrase from the uh, Bhagavad Gita, did I say that? Some, hopefully that's recognizable. But um, the quote that I always use Stephen Pressfield's um, translation, but you are entitled to your labor, not the fruits of your labor. 
the effort itself is the reward. It's not whether you hit the target. It's what was, you know, what was the quality of your, of your um, preparation and what was the care with which you, you practice and maintain your equipment? What was the intention of the, your aim? And did you let go of the arrow and let happen whatever was going to happen? Last point before we move into the wrap up, the thing about decisions is that all they really do is open up the door for the next decision. So there are no right decisions or wrong decisions. You make a choice, you decide, you act, and now you're in a new situation or circumstances and have an opportunity to make a new decision. Um, and so for me, that posture has really helped me in this effort of getting out of my head and actually doing work as opposed to trying to architect and engineer a result in my head and then execute a plan that circumstances, other people, um, the gods are all conspiring against. So make a decision, step into that possibility, make your next decision and, and so on and so forth. I, I can't, I can't resist jumping in here for a second. Cause I, I don't get to pick on you that much. Certainly not in public. I pick Go. on you a little bit, but I think what you just said is true about decisions. Once you've accepted good, sane bounds mm -hmm. and Right. And I think that is in many cases, the key to doing work that matters is, is deciding what are the guardrails around the work that you're willing to do. And, and then understanding that there's a huge premium on decision speed and, and trusting that within those boundaries, there is no bad decision because as you said, you'll just get the chance to make another decision. But I, I do think that first we have to get really, really clear about what we're willing to do and what we're not. And I think that's it, it. When people stay hung up there, uh, it gets really hard to get started on the work. No, I totally agree. I think, again, intention and integrity, all your decisions, all of your aims, all of your actions have to be done with the common good. It has to be done with and for everyone. Um, and if, if it's you know selfish or destructive for yourself or anybody else, it's probably not work. It's, it's not work that matters. It's work that's worth avoiding. <laughs> well, we have about five minutes to um, wrap things up. Fascinating conversation, Rebecca. So glad that you were able to jump on the call. So sorry for all the confusion leading up to that moment. <laughs> but so why don't you um, just, what's, what's a, a primary takeaway, aha, or lesson or call to action that you'd like to leave? viewers with for yeah i i I, I actually just love what colin said earlier i think this is why colin and i clicked so much in our in our early days of having conversation about this um is that well first of all he's always way more articulate than my random ramblings um which is why he's my copy editor <laughs> and so i think there's uh there's yeah it's it to me it's just so much about we are all in this together and um, I think that is what matters most is that we have these spaces and, you know, thanks to, to Seth and Akimbo land and all the people that, that, you know, make that happen um, because we need more spaces like this and we need those spaces to converge. And so I, I think that's probably the most important um, takeaway for me that I'm always reminded of in these kinds of conversations with, you know, people like us, <laughs> for lack of a better description, um, that 
this is this is what's important is coming together and and you know inviting in from from what seems to be the outside you know I, I have a lot of conversations with people about about alt MBA and about akimbo and, and you know it's like what it, like it feels so private from the outside and it's like no no it's not come in come in come in you know and it's like we're um you know sort of collectively bringing more people into the conversation and more perspectives and opinions and you know ideas and and um yeah i i again you know i need colin to be my copy editor because i'm not super succinct in in these conversations but i uh i just really believe that more of these spaces need to exist where this kind of dialogue is the point it isn't about having all the answers or being eloquent or succinct or you know knowing, knowing what to say next it really is about having the conversation um and trying to find what what your true north is for you and and um, and bringing others along on, on the journey who want to want to be there, and I think that's true for for all of us. So the more we the more we come together, and the more we have these conversations. So thanks for 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 hosting it. Um, I just think yeah, being being um, inviting people in. I think that's what you're doing, and uh, and certainly what Colin does. So I uh, I just think we need to do more of that as much as we can. Beautiful, Colin. Last words. So I just watched the latest and frankly, I hope last Star Wars movie last night. Is that still a thing? It, it is still a thing. And I, between you and me, I think they've, they've sucked most of the, the juice out of that franchise. It was, I'd be happy if it ends where it ended in episode nine. Anyhow, it, it's basically the Lord of the Rings in space and what they get right. And what Tolkien got right. And of course he got this from much deeper and older traditions. Um, is that what's important is to find a friend and that nobody's ever ready. But when you and your friend or your friends get together, you can do stuff that really, really makes a difference. And you're never ready. The work is never ready, but that's what you do. And that's, they bring back Billy D. Williams as, as a definitely older and sort of over the hill Lando Calrissian. And, and the young guns are saying, but we're only, what are they, in their 20s maybe, possibly their 30s? We're not ready. How can we do this? And and old Lando says, did you think we were ready back in the 70s or possibly a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? Um, so I, I think that's that's just it, is that the invitation and the opportunity is always there. And the choice we're given, and we're if we're lucky, we're given the choice over and over and over again, is how to respond. Mm. So I also can't leave you without a serious recommendation. Uh, in addition to the wonderful, wonderful Brene Brown, uh, we've talked about stoicism, big fan of Marcus Aurelius. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned small is beautiful. I would highly recommend the work of E.F. Schumacher. If you're uh, up for some fairly academic reading, it's, it's reasonably accessible, but most of all, I'd go with uh, my good friend and literary hero, Brian Doyle. Uh, whose dying wish was that everyone be more gentle to each other. And I think mm-hmm. if we did nothing other than that, that would be work that mattered. Well said. Yeah. Well, I, my, my biggest takeaway is one that we kind of arrived at early on, which is this idea of work that matters is, is human work is, you know, involves real skills and all the, the skills of just simply being a, a human being aspiring to be a better human being, which means not being, just a better human being for other human beings, but being a better part of the entirety of, you know, the world, all beings, all life, 
the cosmos and all that thanks to uh, circle it back to my pal Marcus. And so it's just this idea, uh, you, uh, I think, of, you know, being having that childlike openness and awe and curiosity, but also um, bringing into that the things that the consideration that sometimes gets stripped away because we are a culture that rewards certainty and, and overconfidence and doesn't often um, reward the cure that the, the, those basic human um, concerns of curiosity and consideration. We could all afford to your point, be more considerate uh, towards each other, but towards these big questions. So I will leave, leave with that. Rebecca and Colin, Thank you so much for making another one of these cockamamie conversations actually work. <laughs> these have been really thrilling uh, and I really deeply appreciate not just your consideration or participation here, but the immense contribution that you've made to, to starting the conversation around these questions. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, the force is strong with you, Obi-Wan. Thanks for bringing us in here. <laughs>